I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. Yes, clap for the heavyweight champ, me. I hope everyone stayed safe during the holiday, and I hope everyone is excited to just kick ass 2024. Um, I'm super excited, as you may have seen in the title. I have my first ever podcast guest today. I cannot be more geeked, and I cannot wait to tell you where we're recording, how this happened. But let me introduce the Fatia Alam M. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am so okay. <laughs> gosh, where to even begin? Fatia and I have been friends for over a decade. Um, as you just heard, she recently just got her master's, which is so exciting. Period. She is also a podcast host of a podcast that actually inspired me to start podcasting, which is crazy to think about. Um, Culture versus purpose, which of course we will talk about later. We're going to be talking about our journey and, like, things we've been able to build together. She's a Bengali-American, first-gen daughter, a full-time grinder, and just... Fatia, what else did I miss on your intro? Um, what did we miss? Okay, so... Let's see. It's okay if you think that was... No, I feel like that was a good collection of an intro. Um, I would like to add that girl... Yes. To this list because agree. that's what we're working towards. That's what we've been working towards all year. And that's what we're working towards next year. So in but- my literal speaker notes for your intro, it says in parentheses, Fatia is the blueprint. And oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. It's so weird when people like compliment you. You no, don't yeah, even know like- what to do with the compliment. It's like, what it's are like, you supposed to say? <laughs> it's almost like I, I'm truly speechless, but no, I really appreciate it because I think the same thing of you. So, oh, no, literally. Like, I'm just like, this moment in itself just feels crazy to like... It really does. Like, who would have thought <laughs> all these years later, we're going to be sitting here making a podcast episode. No, literally, no one would have known. And like, I know my listeners are probably like, what in the world is going on no, right literally, now? They're confused. Um, just to kind of give some, give some context... Um, how Fatih and I met, Fatih and I, (laughs) (laughs) us with our immigrant families started second grade together. I had just moved to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Had you been in Cincinnati for a while at that point, Fatih? No, I had just moved to Ohio from New York City. So the elementary school that we went to, that was my first elementary school. That was my first school in Ohio. So that was my first introduction to Ohio, period. So that's crazy. So Fatia's parents, when they immigrated, they immigrated straight to New York and then moved Mm -hmm. to Ohio later versus my parents um, immigrated straight to Ohio. We lived in Cleveland at first um, and then we ended up in Cincinnati. And then somehow, some way, me and Fatia. You were born in Cleveland? (laughs) Don't don't know this about me? Please. You're a Clevelander at heart. I don't Don't even say that out loud. (laughs) Don't even say that out loud. Not in Cincinnati. You're not I don't self-identify. Because, like, I was, was, like, there for, like, I was there until second grade. So, it's, like, can I really count myself as a Clevelander? Probably not. No. And you don't want to. No, and I don't. Yeah. And and we're good. We're good over here. Um, But somehow, some way, Fatih and I... Not only did we end up at the same elementary school, mm-hmm. we ended up living at the same apartment complex. Literally, <laughs> yes. The same apartment complex. 
And then, wait, the story gets even crazier because we <laughs> separated for a little while. Yes. And because I moved to a different school district. And then we found each other again because we just happened to go to the same university. And we ended up in the same little small group, which is the odds of that are actually <laughs> kind of insane because there were like six girls in this group starting out. So, and then we, lo- I remember we looked at each other from across the room <laughs> and we were both like, wait, is that, is that, wait. But there's no way. No, but there's no way. Like, I'm not saying anything. And then we got put into a group together and then we were like, are you from, did you go to Endeavor Elementary? And it was literally like a aha moment. Like a, that, that was like our reunion. <laughs> Also, Fatia's saying group, but like just just to flex for Fatia, oh. it was actually a group of students who had received a full ride to our university and our yes. alma mater. Yes, um, because why why downplay that as two women who yeah. definitely were not yeah <laughs> front runners for right. that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only was it crazy that you know we ended up at this university, but it was just crazy that we ended up being in the same scholarship cohort, and then. Gosh, from then we ended up actually co-founding an organization together mm-hmm. called Woke. Um, Fatia was my president, always mm-hmm. will be my president. <gasps> oh, and then she became my president. <laughs> and actually she became everyone's president. Let me stop. Cause she really became the student body press. And it's just so crazy because she told me like one year before she even Fatia did. Fatia was the first person to know. Yeah. She was like, <laughs> I have a secret. And she was like, I'm gonna run for student body press. And it's the way she already knew. Like she already knew I'm going to i'm gonna be the president and you know and the rest is history honestly because then then she did exactly what she said she was gonna do she was too kind however fatia was my president and so i literally remember i remember the exact moment i told you we were in um a rapid fire pizza yes it was like june or july i don't even know what i was doing in oxford at that point and i was like hey i think i have to step down if i get this is mm-hmm. the org going to be okay? And so the org itself, it, it was called Woke. It is yeah. called Woke. It's yeah. still living on past yeah. both of us graduating. Um, stands for Women of Color. Excellence Group. Yes. And Fatih, do you want to give like a quick rundown on what it was and how it came to be? Yes. So basically it did start as a small group um, and then we turned it into an organization. So we went ahead and developed everything, the foundation, the constitution, and all of that. And basically the organization is to uplift and empower women. So we would do professional development. We would do self-care. It was basically like a little a little therapy session every now and then, or the vibes could be like, you're going to come and get your cover letter looked at. You're going to learn how to make a resume. You're going to prepare for interviews. You're going to um, just learn how to take care of yourself, yeah. your mental health overall, um, and learn how to bounce off of one another because going to a PWI is hard. And when there's not a lot of women of color around, um, you really have to depend on each other to talk about the things that are going on on campus. So yeah, it was like a little safe space for us um, and all things growth. And if you don't, if you don't mind me clarifying just for mm-hmm. some of our viewers who may not know yeah could you uh could you explain a pwi <laughs> oh yes okay so pwi is a predominantly white institution which miami is definitely one of those so. to uh to give even more like when we say predominantly white our our alma mater is about 80 percent white students yeah and ironically asian students which fatia and i belong to as indians um make up 
two percent of Miami's yeah. population. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. I'm trying to think. I feel like all the Bengali students that are there. Oh Lord, they're tiny. It's very tiny. Yes, and they weren't even. Uh, there's a difference between Bengali people. Well, I think Amitaj can yes. relate too. Just in ter- in general, Bengali, Indian, and whatever other culture. There's a difference between people who grew up in America and who grew up in a another country. Percent. So the population that was there of Bengali people, there was only like five that I ever ran into and they were all specifically from Bangladesh. So we didn't really have a lot to connect on either. Um, So that kind of made it harder too. No, and actually I love that you're talking about that because it's like in my notes to ask you about it later, but I think I'm going to save it for as we kind of build up our conversations. But yeah, so basically, you know, we came from a very predominantly white institution, which like, you know, there's, I was going to say there's pros and cons of that, but that's not, yeah. even, I can't even say that. It, you know, it just, it, it was what it was. Yeah. And so I think we made the best of a situation when, you know, together we did co-found Woke. And I think just kind of, as you reflect, mm-hmm. I know you're a recent grad with you, which is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. So Thank proud you. of you. <clears throat> but what has been your POC, person of color, or just women of color experience at that institution? Um, okay. So I feel like coming in, I didn't really struggle to find a community. I came in with my best friend from high school. Um, and we like cheered together and everything. So when we both came into Miami automatically, we already knew a few people here because on honestly, people that graduated from Princeton, there was like a good amount of people that were currently there that were already juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. So they kind of introduced us to the campus to the parties going on to other just people of color. Um, So it wasn't really that much of a struggle for me to have like um, a community, but also like sisterhood. Like I came in with my best friend. So that was already like sisterhood for me. And then that just kind of developed over time as I made more friends. Um, So I definitely wouldn't say I struggled as much as other people who came in who don't really know anyone at all, um, who don't know where to find like different communities. Um, So yeah, that that is my experience coming in to Miami. No, I love that, and I'm glad that it was, for lack of better terms, like easy. It wasn't the struggle because like yeah, I feel like there are so many other struggles. Have also I Mm -hmm. did not share this. The T and I are both first gen. Yeah, um, Yeah. (laughs) which came with if. And to clarify what first gen means, um, we are the first in our family to graduate um, at a collegiate level. Um, Fatia, were you born in the States? Are you first gen immigrant? I Yes, I was born in New York City. Okay, so Fatia and I are also not only first gen college students, but we're also first gen Americans. Yeah. Um, which brings a whole another layer yeah, to college. A whole another layer. Oh my gosh. Even just like writing at the collegiate level, knowing how to register for classes, picking your major, or even applying to college, you know, it's it's a lot easier when you have people in your family that have done it versus, mm-hmm. you know, Fatih is the oldest mm-hmm. in her family. I'm the youngest, but me and my siblings have this huge age gap. So like, you know, we were kind of both on our own mm-hmm. applying to college. 
And, and so, and even figuring out all of the obstacles that come with that, having that support, because um, there's so many things that you just don't know yeah. unless you are around someone who knows. And other people's parents would do like their college applications for them, and even in the FAFSA. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. oh, oh, the FAFSA, <laughs> baby. We were on our own. We were on our own. I was, <laughs> I was like 16, filling that FAFSA out when I was applying to college. So that really tells you a lot, though, about resilience and yeah and gosh yeah and ad- advocating for yourself i look back and i'm like the only reason i could do the fafsa is because i had been filing my parents taxes since i was like 13 <laughs> and and your <laughs> struggle definitely was just like of uh, i can recognize that it was even harder than mine because i wouldn't say that like uh, we definitely had different different sets of we obstacles did, yes. like that's what i'll say because filing your parents taxes that's insane. That I didn't. I don't even think I reached that brown girl level of responsibility. Um, although I did have many other things. You so, did, that. yeah. So, um, and I definitely think that, like, actually, no, I won't even. I'll, I'll save. I'll save for the rest of the pod. Yeah. But no, I love that it was smooth for you because I don't know when I when I look back and I think about being a person of color and like, you know, I have to acknowledge that I did have a lot of privilege at Miami in the mm-hmm. sense that like my senior year like I was president and like mm-hmm. people did believe in me and like I obviously was not like mm-hmm. persecuted against yeah. as a person of color but like it's crazy because we know people who yeah. have you yeah. know um yeah and you know I think for me at the start it was like a huge loss of confidence mm-hmm. because and like don't get me wrong like I, I love Miami and I will always give back to that university they gave me so much but I remember getting to campus mm-hmm. and they were just it was a sea of mm-hmm. white blonde women mm. and mm, yes i don't even know like it was never explicitly said mm-hmm. but in my head i just started thinking of myself less mm. than yeah i i feel like it's definitely easy to feel like the minority which you are yeah but being surrounded by like these white women who are glorified by majority of the campus of men because they are also white it definitely starts making you just feel like outcasted when you're because when you're not around your friends of color and you go to class they can't save you there like you have to (laughs) you have to have the miami experience of being the only person of color in class maybe one other person um so yeah it is very easy to feel lesser than and some of them do look at you as lesser than because some of these some of these students have never talked to a person of color in their life before they came to school that's insane and like we are like and i I, you know i want to be clear we're not even dogging on our university i think this is a universal struggle yeah for any pwi and like uh, let me also be clear pwis aren't just colleges mm-hmm. they're institutions so like that can be your employer that mm-hmm. can be you know an organization like pwis span- i mean typically it's referred in higher education but really like it's a concept and yeah. every person of color will find themselves some way somehow yeah in a pwi and it's mm-hmm. so tough navigating that space and like mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever actually i I do know if you felt this way, but for the sake of the pod, for me, I think something that was a really big shock was that when I came into college, Mm -hmm. I thought people of the same cultural background that, you know, I have would instantly be my community. Mm. And looking back, I think that was a very, very naive take. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) (laughs) 
tea. That's that. <laughs> and that is the tea. Yeah. And it. like, you know, and it's, it feels silly saying this on a podcast with you because again, Fatia has been honestly like one of my closest friends for the past four years. Uh, well, five years. Holy shit. Five years. Now. Yeah. Um, but you, you've seen, you saw me yeah. struggle with these friendships and, mm-hmm. you know, I know you mentioned, you know, not really being able to connect with Bengali students, mm-hmm. but you know, were you able to find community with the very small brown folks at our PWI? I think <laughs> you thanks. are one of the few brown girls that I have met at Miami that I keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely found community through you. And I met like, I want to say like a total of like five brown girls and I think I keep up with like the two of you because naturally personalities don't match yeah. if I'm going to be honest. Um, That's so true. There are some brown women who are very whitewashed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have to say that because it, it, it which is not their fault, though, because it's really just like you're a product of your environment. So and can you if, clarify for our viewers, like, what do you mean by whitewash? Like, because some people might not be familiar with the lingo. Like they are not confident in their like identity as a brown woman and they're they're insecure about it yeah and like the majority of their white friends kind of make up their personality and it's like but when you look at them it's genuinely like this is not who you are like this is not who you are this is a product of you being surrounded by these very people you might have even came from like a predominantly white high school Mm -hmm. so that's all you ever know to be you never tapped into your brown girl side whereas I'm very aware of who I am. So there are certain things that we're just not going to click on. We're not going to mesh on. Um, and so it didn't, that friendship didn't work out with, with every single brown girl I met, but I will say like, I, I have a good two mm-hmm. of you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good two of you guys, which that's not, that's genuinely not any shade, any tea, no. but like everyone has a different background. If you come, if you came from like a diverse high school or a diverse like neighborhood, or you had diverse friends, you're going to naturally like mesh better because we have the same understandings. We have the same interests almost. We have the same, we, we have, we just align better. And that's just naturally what the truth is. Um, and that, there, that's not a knock on anyone because everyone has different experiences right. and obviously everyone is meant to be different people. Yeah. So I think that, even just like going into the whitewash aspect. Yeah. Like, for example, Fatia and I have not <laughs> Western names. Yeah. Right. Right. And so like like if we if we were whitewashed or maybe if we weren't child of direct immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, it it's like the equivalent of if instead of going by Amitage or Ami, if I went by Amy. That would be <laughs> insane. And, and I'm like trying to, I like, because I know I'm going to have people on this podcast that don't necessarily understand mm-hmm. the concept of whitewashing. And like, that is such a prime example. Yeah, that is a prime example. Like, not going by your name because you're ashamed of it or because yeah. you feel like your identity inconveniences the yeah. majority. Yeah. I've literally seen brown girls in my class. Wait, I'm I said brown girls plural. I meant to say this one brown girl <laughs> in my class. Her name was like super long. Actually, no, it wasn't even that long. I they they've corrupted me into thinking it was long. Her name was not that long. It's two syllables. Three syllables. And 
I'm my, giggling because I think I know who you're talking And my about. professor, my professor would literally call her by the first letter of Stop. her name. Because she, like, just, she just couldn't get it right. Stop. Yeah, she could not get it right. So she called her by the first letter of her name. And I was like, girl, what? Like, stand up. But like, I guess you kind of do have to settle for that. Because you yeah, get it's tired. Yeah, like, what battle are you fighting? Yeah, literally. Literally. You know, it's so true. And it's like, you know, it's tough to relate to people because it's like, you know, you have someone that's on their cultural journey of maybe maybe going by Amy's, like, mm-hmm. not their battle. Amy is just crazy. It's, it, I don't, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna go into it. Yeah. You know, that could be someone's whatever. And then I feel like Fatih and I were very aligned culturally. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I would like to clarify, though, Fatih and I are both technically Indian. Our cultures are completely different. <laughs> um, oh, wait. Do you classify Bengali as Indian? Is it not part of... <gasps> <laughs> Oh my, gosh. oh my gosh quibbling this whole time well, they see right so they see yeah okay. because bangladesh is its own country well, right but like but yes okay. they see yes okay, but that I mean, also includes like nepali right, people who yeah. also get often mistaken yeah. okay, okay wow wow you're this feeding into no you're i am into it so just for this interaction to make sense <laughs> Everyone no, else. This whole time I've been hearing her say that we're both Indian and I'm like, no, you've given me side eye every time. And I'm like, why is she doing that? Oh, wait. And I met Desi and I'm like, oh, oh okay. Wow. Wow. Just to, okay. See, this is a great educational this moment. This is a great educational moment. Okay. Yeah. To clarify for everyone, uh, you might have heard, Fatih and I refer to ourselves as brown very often. Yeah. I think this is like the equivalent of the diaspora calling yeah. themselves brown, where in reality it would be Desi. Yeah. Um. How how do you even explain the concept of being desi? Um, it's literal like South Asia, like that's what I would classify. So Bangladesh, India, Nepal, um, Sri Lanka. Yeah. Yes that that pretty much makes up most of most it. of South Asia, and it it just makes sense. Like you you will there are the, cultural similarities yeah there are cultural similarities and people aren't just calling themselves they see if they're not so, no yeah that and we all happen to be in south asia or that's where all of our parents like origins are from so that is what they see is and so they see is an umbrella term brown is usually an umbrella term often substituted for they see yeah and so i have mistakenly keep saying that he is indian but he's not indian but he's they see we are they see <laughs> yes we that are is what i've been meaning to say i apologize <laughs> to okay. any bengalis who you're have been li- listening you're literally fine <laughs> i know people are probably listening like if anyone on here that knows me they're probably like Fatia's Indian, like no, actually, like that is they're my probably bad. confused. That I hope we clear that up. Yeah, yes, that that was on me, on me. But with that being said, you know, us being Desi and having again, we literally grew up in very similar communities, very similar family dynamics, um, had very similar aspirations in life, and so for us, I think it was a really good match. Mm-hmm. But to say that finding community has was a struggle for me in the beginning Mm -hmm. and i think what was awesome is at the end of the day we both ended up finding community and Mm -hmm. i think fatia i find the way that you found community really interesting okay and i know it yeah it was not easy per se in the sense Mm -hmm. that like actually i'm not even gonna get into it but basically fatia if you don't mind you are an aka yes and you are a part of historically black greek life yes so if you and you are not black right right and right. so <laughs> <laughs> right, just let's to clarify clear, for the let's, viewers let's, yeah let's clear and that so up. i would i would and like 
people are going to, some people might be shocked hearing that because people really don't know what I am. Like, and as, I had to say it out yeah, loud because I'm like, they're not going to, well, yeah. even if they did see you, they wouldn't know. Yeah. Like racially ambiguous <laughs> is really defines me because every time people see me, it's like, are you um, Indian and black? Are you like Hispanic? Are you Puerto Rican? No, it's giving, it's giving Ethiopian maybe. And I'm like, <laughs> actually none of the above. Um, so that is, that is so funny that you say that. No. And so how did you find yourself in that space? And like, were you 100% welcomed by everyone? Okay. T yes, (laughs) this is good though. Um, so how I found myself there. So naturally I, um, went to Princeton high school. So, and even before that, I'm from New York City, Queens specifically. So I've never been, I've always been introduced in within the black community, like just the way that I grew up, who I was around um, and who I was introduced to as I kept growing up. Even when I moved to Ohio, like the, the neighborhood, the circle that I lived in, majority of our neighbors were black. And then once I went to Princeton, Princeton is a super diverse high school. So my majority of my community were black and brown people. So that has always been like family to me. Um, I've never, I've, yeah, I've always had a strong community of, of people of color in general. So then going into um, school, actually not, this is a good moment for me to shout this out, but a lot of the people that I looked up to, cause you know, how me and Amitage were talking about earlier, being from the cultural background that we do have, we don't have like a lot of support, which is not our family's fault, but like you do have to figure out life things on your own. 100%. And yeah. You there have is to, no guidance. Yeah. There is no guidance at home. Um, like regular life stuff that you grow up and learn about the talks that you have with your parents about, you know, drinking and, and oh, oh yeah, that doesn't <laughs> happen for us. That's non-existent. Like, it's just like a, you're just assumed to never sip alcohol your whole life. Yeah, you're you're assumed to never date. You're assumed to never yeah. take part in sexual activities. And I was like blessed enough that my friends at through Princeton, um, that and like Centuria is my best friend now. That's yeah. the best friend that I was talking about that I came to college with. But her dad really took me under his wing, and he was like my mentor. He was my um, he's literally my American dad. Like that is my dad. He's probably mm-hmm. going to be walking me down the aisle. Um, but a lot of my like figures in my life and role models in high school um, were black men and black women, yeah. and they really they just, they took care of me in every single way possible. They lifted me up emotionally, mentally, like every resource that I could possibly need, they were there for me. So I was never uncomfortable in this community in the first place. And so like entering that space wasn't like this revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. You just felt like you were entering a space you were always going to be in. Yeah. That I was entering a space that I was literally already like a part of because that was like home for me when I was having all my cultural issues with my parents. These are the people that I looked up to. Um, And yeah, they really set me forward on this like path to just be great and be successful. But yeah, so once I get to Miami, I was introduced into the black community because of my best friend. Um, So we not, but it was, it wasn't like, I feel like when you imagine like a white person walking into like a black community, (laughs) 
you it's a little different yeah especially if they've never been introduced to it it's, like a little it, jarring yeah no but it, it was it's very natural like that is majority of my friend group in the first place mm-hmm. so i never had an issue like fitting in where i don't fit in if that yeah. makes sense and everyone was very like accepting of me and has always like taken care of me and treated me honestly like yeah. no different um and it and it's literally so funny because most of my friends <laughs> anytime I would like say that I'm Bengali they would be like what (laughs) they would be like no (laughs) what did you just say so they had no idea like they would forget that like they would forget so it would just be like a like a little funny joke obviously they would know right but they would be like oh my gosh quit playing I literally (laughs) forgot and it would that would be like the 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 joke every time when it came up um because it it never was a separation you know there we were always like like they were my friends they were my family that's the best way that i can explain it and i really want to shout out that community in particular because again like sorry there's so much context for our school but um again we're at a pwi Mm -hmm. of that pwi right 45 percent, i believe partake in traditional greek life right which is very again white dominant Mm -hmm. and so you don't see a lot of people of color in those spaces and that's not to say those spaces aren't accepting Mm -hmm. but you know like we were talking about how it's it's jarring for Mm -hmm. you know someone who's not a person of color to enter black greek life Mm -hmm. in the same way that it's very jarring for a person of color to enter greek life and so I love that, like, you never had an issue yeah. with those spaces. Like, shout out NPHC for that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, and and my, like, role models, and after I even left college, um, they, within NPHC, the women that I have, like, developed relationships with, like, our NPHC advisor, the women through the CSDI, like, they are literally, like, my aunties. So, when I got to campus, um, like, there was, like, Mega Fair and the AKs. Mega Fair, for context, is our, like, huge recruitment fair of all student orgs. There's, like, 600 that table per year. Yeah. So, the AKs and all the other Greek life organizations were set up there. Um, I just happened to be walking past in one of my pros, which, for your knowledge, that's um, someone who brought me in, or... How do I explain is this? Is it like to, the equivalent of a big? Yeah, it's a, it's the equivalent <laughs> of a big. Yes, the one of the people who brought me in. So, yes, a big, basically, <laughs> in, in short terms. Um, so she, her and all my other pros now, they were talking to me, just asking me about, like, my, my background, um, just chatting, basically, and gave me some really good advice on, like, how to navigate Miami if I ever need help um, to reach out to them for, like, resources and stuff, because by that point, most of them were, like, sophomores, juniors, and some even seniors, so they had pretty much already navigated the campus, and they were always welcome, like, super, super welcoming to help me figure life out and navigating the campus out, Um Sorry, you definitely are going to have to edit this because I keep saying the same stuff over <laughs> no, and over again. No, you're okay. Um, and then, yeah, so from there, I noticed that they were very, very involved on campus. Like, every time I went into Armstrong, they were always doing some sort of, like, philanthropy or volunteering. And they were just very well known for, like, serving the community, which was something that was already a part of, like, who I was. Because as a cheerleader, we yeah. would all we would do stuff like that all the time. So for lack of better terms, like AKs were that girl. 
Like uh, they were uh, always out there. <laughs> yeah, they they are yes, they are that girl and that those girls, that girls. Yeah. Yes, all of all them. of the them <laughs> girls. <laughs> However we want to say it. But they were the blueprint. For yes, you. Yeah. Yes. You saw them everywhere. They yes. were out there, they were involved and you were just it was one of those moments where you're like I want to be I want to be them. Like it yes, there was definitely a moment where I was like, yeah, like this is if not them then who because naturally like me going which women of color do join predominantly white sororities but that was never going to be the space for me that's not how I grew up that didn't make sense to me at all it was also not my space and yeah that that just that wouldn't read that is very like against who I am um as a person and like we wouldn't even have meshed you know and that that wasn't the space that God put me in that period that that's the answer um but yeah from there like the leader that I can be and then everything from there is history because (laughs) here I am now I'm an AK but I will say there are definitely like I won't say that everyone is okay with that though yeah like I definitely have had one person (laughs) I know exactly who you're talking about actually I have they're the person that inspired this question (laughs) I'm not even kidding you. So there was one distinct person and that was the only like lashback I ever faced, which genuinely I think it came from the fact that she didn't know who I was. Like mm. you, you don't know who I am to the core. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know, um, like the cultural you, intricacies. Yeah. You literally don't know the cultural intricacies. You don't know. Like she, like she, she literally had, had no clue who mm. I was. So, I mean, from her perspective, I can see, cause she's probably like, why are you in here? Like, why, how did you get in here? But just to let everyone know specifically D9, you're not getting in unless you are, you develop like a genuine real relationship. You don't just get picked and you like a lot of people think like, oh, you, when you get picked, you take someone else's spot or something. That's, that's not how it works. So I just want to clear. So it's not like they were recruiting a certain number. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how it works. So I don't know if like her issue with me was like, oh, you took a black woman's spot, but that's not how it works mm-hmm. at all. There is no, like, there is no minimum number. Also, like, what a sad way to look at that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like what a sad way to look at which, that. Which, which, like from her perspective, I I think it had a lot to do with her own experience ah. um, with with this said community because I don't think she had good relationships no. with anyone. I don't think that was her community. Yeah, that think. wasn't yeah. her community, and I think that's what honestly made it worse. Because me not trying to be like a a psychology major or anything, <laughs> but I think the issue with me was the fact that I was welcomed so easily within this community, yeah. and maybe she felt some type of way because she never was um that's what i what i think of when i think of yeah. that whole situation and it's you know i'm I'm saying this right like i empathize with her because mm-hmm. i think that was very similar to my situation mm-hmm. in the sense that like when i first started college <laughs> as you know mm-hmm. i joined a lot of cultural organizations mm-hmm. i like took up leadership positions in those organizations mm-hmm. and unfortunately i just felt I felt victim mm-hmm. to cultural stereotypes, mm-hmm. particularly gender stereotypes of mm-hmm. like how a good Indian woman is supposed oh. to behave. Oh no, that's and horrible. It, yeah, and like I, I remember it because you were you were there for it, and it yeah. was like, you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone who's listening knows this. Like, I am an outspoken woman. Yeah, <laughs> always be an outspoken woman. Right, as you should. Be. I don't tolerate 
disrespect. Yeah. I don't tolerate, you know, gossip. And I, I'm very confrontational, which for those of you who may not know, is probably the opposite yeah. of an ideal quote unquote Indian woman. And so kind of similar with how Fatih was like, you know, I would meet people and, you know, they had, they were holding on to cultural stereotypes that maybe we had let go of. I, I really ran into that problem or just that like personalities didn't match. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I, you know, I, at one point in time, I did have a core mm-hmm. brown female friend group mm-hmm. and it completely disbanded within yeah. a year, Yeah, um, which was so, you know, and like, I, I wish the best for all of them, but yeah. like, you know, it, it wasn't meant to last because- yeah. I think at a certain point, everyone was on their own journey with their culture. Yeah. And I also think in Desi culture, this idea of competition yeah. is so large that yeah. like, oh, if she is doing X, yeah. I must do Y. Yeah. Like I have to be better than everyone in the room. And I think in particular, you and I, I think mm-hmm. that's what I love about our dynamic is that mm-hmm. that's never been part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think for you, like you directly entered a community where that also was not part. Yeah. And I think for me, I don't think I necessarily found community in sense of like a large organization that felt that way. Mm -hmm. But I think through my journey in college, at least, I was able to find very specific individuals Mm -hmm. that, for lack of better terms, became my board of directors. Yeah. You know, those were the people that I spent my time with. But yeah, you know, it was never like we were a group. It was like I have very specific people in my life for very specific reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that allowed me to do you know, what I ended up doing on campus throughout mm-hmm. my journey because I, honestly, like, I just didn't get that cultural community and, like, mm-hmm. I so wish I did and I think even now, like, post-grad, like, building community is so yeah. tough. Yeah, building community is really, really tough and I think it's very important to note that everyone's perception of what someone should be is very yeah. different. Like, we all have very different experiences. We all have different biases we have we let our biases and our internal you know um what's it called our internal voice kind of drive what we think someone should be where we think they should be how they should be based on what they look like what they what they seem like and and just like cultural um cultural stereotypes like it's like where and just to get back to what we were saying, but like the girl that was upset, it's like, where would you, where did you see me at? Yeah. Like if this wasn't the space that you saw me at, where should I have been in a white sorority? Did you see like, you know, like also there was like, and like, I say this as someone, there were no spaces for us. Yeah. Like, like, where, I, like where I, would we go? I genuinely want to know, like, where did you think that I belong? Like, based on your own biases, based on your own, your own experience at Miami, clearly there was some sort of projection onto me um, because there, there's just no reason yeah. to be that upset without like true reason. And especially if you always have to do your background uh, research on everything, you know, like before you when you do have like a, a bias or a um, just like, a, oh, I don't think it's supposed to be like that. You always should check yourself. Yeah, you should always check yourself. And if you literally do look into the history of AK, it is historically black, but it is not discriminatory. So not just black women are within AK because it's 
trailblazing women. And if you go back into our history, which they got a movie, y'all, if you want to watch (laughs) that. But yeah, like some of our um, honorary members are white. So So I was going to say, I I think it recently was on, and I bet this was only on my For You page because of you, but on TikTok, (laughs) there was a white woman talking about being an AKA and all these people were blasting in the comments and she was like, that is not my sorority. My sorority does not discriminate and I made my way here, like, eat it. Yeah, And, and the truth is like, which I feel like I, I don't really, I'm, oh my gosh, what am I trying to say? I'm not like going to attack anyone at the end of the day who does feel like, okay, it should be black members only because there there could be a, a deeper actual reasoning behind that. Yeah. And that is so like valid. Um, but if the case is just like, oh, it's for black women only, that is just not true. not your organization's stance. Yeah, that's not my organization's yeah. stance. Um, and if you just go through the history of our organization, it's been like that since the beginning, yeah. though. Like, they have always worked with, like, if you're a woman trying to pave the way for other people and serve the community and be a pillar of the community, that's who they're looking for. Yeah. And that is the requirements, among other things, um, on a collegiate level to get into the organization. So from a history perspective and like an actual factual, (laughs) an actual factual logic, an actual logical perspective, (laughs) that's just incorrect. Now, if other people have different reasons, because again, a lot, there are a lot of people of color in general that are in D9, non-black people of color within D9, which is accepted, widely accepted. Also, I'm going to make you clarify what D9 means for the listeners. D9 means Divine Nine. So that makes up all of the Black Greek lettered organizations. Um, And what I was saying is that there are a lot of non-Black people of color who are within these organizations. So not just AKA, but all of the other fraternities and sororities. And like I said, for for the most part, that is accepted and that is welcomed um, because we're people of color. Right. But usually for white people, there is always some sort of heavy clapback because it's almost like they see it as like you're completely infiltrating this space when you have your own, which that I personally- That is so much, yeah, that's so much to unpack. Yeah, that is a lot to unpack and we- will not be unpacking <laughs> and not. we will not be the ones unpacking that. I don't think anyone because wants us I, to be unpacking. Yeah, because I personally don't have a stance. I am a person of color. Um, so that might be I just think out of I'm like trying to choose actually, you know what, it's my podcast. I'm not choosing my words carefully. Yeah. I think it's just on a human being level, mm-hmm. like we seek connection mm-hmm. so much and like for a non for a white person to enter space like that is yeah. not easy yeah and i think it is yeah. obviously i'm an outsider here but like i would feel like that is very cruel mm-hmm. to just tell someone they're infiltrating yeah when no i can understand that you know and like i get it though because it's like oh it's a safe space but in the same way you know you and i have an organization well we had an yeah. organization called women of color in excellence yeah um you know we had white women attend meetings and yeah. like yeah, and I definitely think like people's perspectives on that change based on just knowing said white yeah. person because you know this this is this is space where like you get to know someone intimately before they even come in. So 
that said white person didn't just like get picked yeah. for no reason. You know, there genuinely was an interest specifically and they had their reasonings behind why they and wanted they to join and they did commit. So, but that's not even me taking a stance because yeah. I under I can understand why people would be in an uproar about that because yeah. there are valid reasons as to the history behind why black Greek lettered organizations were even created. Right. Um, That's so true. it's definitely up to everyone's own discretion on what stance they take. I would just do further research yeah. on that and get to know maybe a white person that are <laughs> that is within <laughs> one of these organizations and maybe decide for yourself. <laughs> Uh, do your primary research and decide for yourself if you feel like they should be gang or not because <laughs> i don't i i don't have a stance on that so that was a, i i appreciate you for yeah. answering that because it was a hard question yeah and there is there is a white alpha that is very known and he is like a pillar of the community like he is heavily involved he is like definitely an ally and he is using his like whiteness for the good of the world and he is he is serving within his organization like he's doing the thing and everyone like in this area accepts him and loves him and loves him yes so i really just feel like we it depends up, yeah because yeah. all of them all of the people who know him would be like why are you mad that he's white <laughs> yeah. like he is doing the things like he is doing more work than than like right the average the member, average yeah. yeah the average member honestly and the props to him like shout out to him but yeah it really just depends on who it is and i feel like when someone does post on mm -hmm. social media um that is white like yeah. it's naturally easy for people millions of people on tiktok to critique but it is a little different when the the members in their personal organization who brought them in yeah. vouch for them and are like we brought them in because of xyz mind mm -hmm. your business so again I love it. everyone's stance is different yeah. and it's for different reasons i've always been accepted i love the community i love the women specifically the black women who have gotten me here today like they have they have literally held my hand through like every obstacle, every confusing moment, every like literally. Yes, I love them so much. Black women have been so important to my life. Like my life literally would not be what it is if it wasn't for the black men and the black women in my life. And yeah, I just love y'all. I, so I have to shout that out. No, because... And I love that you did because not as an outsider to your life. I mm -hmm. mean, I am grateful to be a part of your community. Mm -hmm. But as someone who saw that relationship and yeah. that community you built from a distance, mm -hmm. I, I did see its mm -hmm. impact on you. And I saw how much it really revolutionized your life, particularly yeah. in the very, very hard times of college. And mm -hmm. so, like, and I college so was lucky. hard. It was. It and was like, hard. I will say, even for me in my scenario where, you know, when I did run for student body president, I was... I was running against a Kappa. Yeah. And obviously, you know, that community, you know, they're rooting for someone. And yeah. It makes sense why. And, you know. And it wasn't you, babe. <laughs> it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and it's okay. It and is. It's, it's genuinely okay because it wasn't like a. No. Yeah. And it, I never felt that it was. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I understood it. And I think if I was part of that community, I would have yeah. felt the same exact way. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, when I did eventually win, everyone in that community was so kind. Mm-hmm. And I think it meant the world to me because mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't who they were voting for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they were still so kind, so yeah. accepting, so receptive. And you, so you came out on on top at the end so naturally they're not going to be haters so i'm glad that like nobody was like it should have never been you no, like I it should have never been you i am so so grateful that truly i did not meet a single person who said that to yeah. me my year yeah and i think i really thought there were gonna be a lot of them mm-hmm. especially because it was just an insane year yeah um but no i'm so grateful especially for the people of color at miami my mm-hmm. year because I, I did feel so loved yeah, and accepted. Definitely, 1,000%. And, like, everyone, they're naturally going to pick who was within our organization, right? Yeah, of course. Which there was no beef or anything there. No. But, like, after that, when you won regardless and you were picked by the majority of the campus, there's going to be all love because you delivered the way that you should have. And you carried out exactly what you said that you were going to do. And I feel like everyone can see that, like, why you – why you won and what you had planned so yes i'm glad that you felt that love i appreciate it and so this has definitely been my longest podcast episode yet however it has been one of my favorites by yes, far me too because this is the glow up and grow up podcast mm-hmm. yeah i just have a couple of rapid fire questions just to you know yeah. keep us out um and so and i know this is going to be a very hard rapid fire but it is yeah. a rapid fire what is your advice to any listener who's struggling to fit in or find community right now? Community my community is what you make it. Um, you don't, if you think you fit into a specific place, I would say go outside of your box. Like whatever you think you fit into, I would try and experience different things. Cause you might find community in a group of people that you never even thought you could you could have community from um, put yourself out there. That's super important, especially if like you're still in college and you feel like you don't have the group that you want. Go to random events, like research different organizations, go in, um, network with people, go to like a career related event through if you have a career center. Um, there's just so many ways to build community. You, and if you feel isolated, there's 1000% people out there. And it's probably more so fear that's holding you back from like being rejected if you already feel like you don't have people supporting you. But like your community is out there. They're literally just waiting for you to find them or maybe they'll find you. You just have to give it a chance. Um, And you can't be closed minded because you genuinely never know like the crazy and amazing relationships that will come out of you just exploring and wholeheartedly being open to whatever it is that finds you. I love that. I think that was very, very well said. Thank you. And so, obviously, you and I have been friends for, mm-hmm. gosh, 16 to 17 years now. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. But um, what do you think has made our relationship last almost two decades now? I think, obviously, there was that time between where we left each other because I went to a different school. Right. And then, but I feel like. It was God literally bringing us I back together. Say that. Like it, 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 <laughs> it genuinely. That's my answer to everything because <laughs> God is going to do what God is going to do, and I really feel like Amitaj and I, we have had a lasting, lasting, 
lasting relationship um, because of the fact that we genuinely understand each other on a different level. Like, I feel like we understand each other in terms of struggles. We operate the same way in terms of the way we think (laughs) and how we go about things. Um, And I feel like we are also both supportive friends to our separate communities but also to each other Mm -hmm. like we're always going to be uplift each other we're always going to be there to help each other if something goes wrong like if you need the most brutal advice from me i'm i'm going to give it to you which she has given me many many times yes and if i need like logical (laughs) logic reasonings behind whatever i'm going through i know i'm going to call amitage and she's going to give me the actual logical reasoning as to why I should or shouldn't do something. And then she's going to have like five supporting statements (laughs) with that and how to proceed. So it's like, we, I feel like we water each other. We do. We really water each other. Yeah. And we, we have, we have value. I feel like to each other, like every time we talk, it is a fruitful conversation we are building on something yeah. we're envisioning we're literally brewing we're hatching <laughs> master plans together and that's the type of friends you need and you also need friends who are going to check you and i feel like we both gently and honestly not comedic, gently, yeah. honestly it's, it's hilarious <laughs> but it's in such a loving way where we it will is. check each other and be like girl what did you just say why why would you do that and you need friends that will check you because if you agree with if you and your friend agree with each other on every single little thing you've never had to check each other you're not real friends and then i do want to clarify like fatima and i check each other a lot mm-hmm. however i want to say the caveat is i have never had a negative experience with you in my entire yeah. almost two decades of knowing you yeah uh granted we had our break or whatever but yeah. like that i think that's key because the whole time in our relationship there's been a common theme of love and respect yes um, love love is love <laughs> it is and it it's is like love. i we both have seen each other at our absolute worst Mm -hmm. and we have both seen each other not at our peaks because we are far from them but like at our highest of highs thus far Mm -hmm. and i think being able to see someone and love them in every season of life Mm -hmm. is a commitment Mm -hmm. is an investment like gosh i can off the top of my head i could probably name 20 things i have done that fatia has disagreed with and has been right about Like, and it be like that it and it's okay because it's like we're not gonna rub it in each other's face like girl i told you about that never, and yeah never. it's literally just a learning moment because we're all living life for the first time so ooh, 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 that was, ooh that was a bar <laughs> <laughs> no bars like that was just to really wrap this up real quick Padilla, yeah very quick what is essential to your morning routine what is essential to my morning routine oh okay so every morning I get up, I actually, if you have dry skin, oh, okay, hold on. Let me not talk skincare because, okay, morning routine. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to get into my skincare. Okay, when you wake up, I feel like it is more mindful for you to not immediately get on your phone. Like you need to oh, take a that's second. so hard. Yeah, and so that hard. is what will low-key like ruin your day because mm-hmm. you're already jumping into things way too quickly when you open your eyes you need to take a second and just breathe and like sit in your thoughts before you get up for the day and my 2024 
like resolution is that when I wake up, I have like this mindfulness book. So I'm going to read one page every single morning before I even choose to touch my phone. That is super important to morning routine always. Um, mm-hmm. And for people who are spiritual, I personally will also want to make it a 2024 resolution that every morning I wake up, I need to pray and start my day with prayer so that I can just be ready for anything that tries to come my way because it's a lot of BS that happens in the world. So that is also going to be essential in my morning routine. I love that. And as someone who knows Fatia very personally, I will say um, prayer and religion is definitely something that is integral to her wellness routine. Mm-hmm. With that being said, though, if there was one wellness secret you swore by, what would it be? One wellness secret? Okay. I'll give like a spiritual one and a and a non one. All right. Um, personally for me what gets me through every single time is the fact that like it's god's plan that that's my wellness secret when something goes wrong i know that there is bigger things working that i don't even know of like things are working together for my good and that's what keeps me from crumbling um because that has been my reality like when something is is going wrong and I feel like the world is literally about to fall apart. Usually I find out exactly what was going on the entire time that was happening a few months later. Um, and it just comes to reveal itself that there was, there was so much bigger being planned for me during that time. I was supposed to learn something from that moment. I was supposed to grow from that moment. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to step into another era, which are things that you don't think about when you're crumbling, but you always have to remember like this is happening for a bigger reason um and that's why i can never fold because it's like <laughs> like the the plan is already done whatever i'm meant to do there's a reason why it's happening the way it's happening and for those who do not believe in the lord um or maybe just aren't on the same level yeah as yeah, yeah yeah and for the uh, <clears throat> let me rephrase that <laughs> and and for those who are not spiritual at all Um, I would say another wellness secret is to take it one day at a time. That would be my, um, my worldly advice for people is, (laughs) I, I love it. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) And for everyone that's like, why are these girls giggling? It's just like, Fatia's. Fatia's spirituality is a part of her that is just truly ingrained. And it's been such a wonderful thing to see. But (laughs) no, no, the wordly. (laughs) I just gave her a look because I have never heard her use that word before. And so I think she was also surprised it came out. And so we just looked at each other and giggled for a second. There's no shade. I. To, no shame. To be very candid, I am probably the worldly person that he is talking about. <laughs> no shade, no tea. Take no. it how you will. But yes, my advice would still be to just take it one day at a time. Like you cannot consume yourself with what's going to go on tomorrow or next month. Like figure what you need to figure out today. Plan it out, like write it down on a piece of paper and make a checklist. And that's how you can get your mind in order to in that way um, and kind of organize your thoughts because it can it can get very chaotic when you're a busy person, when there's so much going on, there's so much chaos in the world. Um, so you definitely have to show yourself grace and be kind to yourself. And just the way the same way that you would be kind to your friends and show your friends grace when they come to you and 
ask for advice, you need to do the same thing for yourself. So that I is another that. wellness secret. That is so good. And I just want to share that how grateful I am for your time today, Fatia. I am so happy to be here. This was so good. It like, was so good. This is literally probably the favorite, my most favorite thing I've ever recorded. And just like to add another layer for our audience, mm-hmm. Fatia and I are sitting in my childhood bedroom yeah. <laughs> at my parents' house because I was in town for the holidays. Um, and just like recording this here in the very town across mm-hmm. the street from our elementary school is literally just wild yeah um it but is wild. if you're like wow i love this conversation and could listen to fatia talk all the time mm-hmm. good thing she also has a podcast fatia yes. do you want to share a little bit about your show yes so i have a show called culture versus purpose culture vs purpose and if you type that into apple Podcasts or spotify it will pop up it'll um, also be linked in our show notes yes linked in the show notes thank you for doing that but yes i talk about all things culture barriers as well as just like barriers for women of color and kind of overcoming those obstacles and living the life that you deserve to live and being able to achieve every desire of your heart no matter who tells you that you can or that you can or can't do it um and just giving tips about life and about gosh there's so many things like there's so many things to talk about overcoming the day-to-day yeah over overcoming different life obstacles just giving very specific examples of how I've went about some things my thoughts on different things my takes on different things so yeah come over to my pod if you want to listen and and tune in i am a regular listener fatia's podcast actually inspired me to start my own show um as of many things fatia has inspired me to do in my life but as always i am so grateful for everyone listening and i hope you all enjoy an incredible 2024 i am so excited to bring on even more guests up my Mm -hmm. content game and really just tackle this here right but as always you can interact with the show using the interact um feature on spotify if that's where you're listening you just slide up Mm -hmm. you can answer the questions vote on the polls send us your thoughts i know fatia is going to be really intrigued to see who's saying what on this show in particular but once again thank you all for listening thank you fatia and have an incredible day thanks for listening bye In this very moment, I'm king. In this very moment, I slay.